Well, this morning, we are finishing off our summer sermon series called General Admission, where we really take the time to, to, to look through what the, the medium of movies tells us on really how to deal with different things in our lives, and really to cut through that and look what God's Word says in, in, in how we should deal with things like um, um, struggles and finding our significance and finding acceptance and dealing with past hurt and all those sorts of things. And this morning as we finish, we're going to um, conclude with the movie Inside Out. How many of you guys have seen the movie Inside Out? Okay, so a good many of you. So, but from a practical matter, before we, went, before we get started, I want, I want to do one thing here that's really important. So for all the women that are here, I'm going to ask you to grab your husband's hand. Hold his hand, because i got to say something, and I don't want the men to run out of here. <laughs> guys, we're talking about emotions this morning. So this applies to you, as it does to all the women in the room. So I just wanted to make sure you all stayed and don't go running out. So before we do that, before we get started, let's, um, let's bow our heads and ask God to lead us this morning. Father, we do thank you for the way you make us in your image. Father, we are complex people that deal with a lot of stuff in our life. Father, we've got good things going on. We've got challenges going on. And, and Father, the beautiful part of our relationship with you is that you know right where we are right now. And today, we're just asking you to meet us right there. Father, the, to, to let your word just ring true in our life. Father, to, to let us put away the, the plans of this afternoon and this weekend. Just to spend this um, next several minutes just listening to what you have to say to us. So Father, we thank you for being with us this morning. We thank you for your son Jesus that makes it all possible. And it's in his name that we pray together. Amen. All right, so the, the movie Inside Out is the story of an 11-year-old girl named Riley who lives in Minnesota. Riley has a warm family. She's grown up in a great environment. She has a lot of friends. She plays hockey. She even has an imaginary friend named Bing Bong. This girl loves hockey. She has all kind of good stuff going on in her life. For the most part, she's a healthy, well-adjusted 11-year-old girl. The twist on this story that Pixar does, though, is they tell the story of this girl through the eyes of the emotions that kind of dictate how Riley responds to things in her life. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you.
It was amazing. Just Riley and me forever. keeps Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! Yes! Well, I just saved our lives. Ooh. Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not going to get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fair. So that's how you want to play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this. Ah! Right, right. Here comes an airplane. Ah! Oh, airplane. We got an airplane, everybody. <gasps> Sadness. She, well, she. I'm not actually sure what she does. And I've checked, there's no place for her to go. So she's good. We're good. It's all great. So, joy, sadness, fear, anger, disgust. We get introduced here at this clip, and we saw in the beginning of it. That, that, that when the, um, Riley was a newborn, there were really two emotions, right? There was sadness and there was joy. And they were wrestling behind this single button control panel to make her respond. Was she either happy or she was sad. But as she grew older, that control panel grew bigger. There was a lot more levers to push and all these things to be able to control her actions. And that's when fear and disgust and anger move in. And this jockeying for position takes place at this control panel in, in, in Riley dealing with these things that she faces in everyday life. But the happy and uncomplicated life that Riley had known to this point was really about to be turned upside down on his head. She grew up in this happy and loving and caring home in Minnesota, and she finds out that her family has to move to San Francisco. She had to leave her friends behind, her hockey team behind, and everything that she knew, she had to leave behind. So as you can imagine, where joy once dominated her life, now she was starting to experience emotions like she had never had before as she was venturing out on this new plan or new adventure that her family had had her on. And to complicate matters, things didn't go as planned. When they got there, her dad, Riley's dad was stressed out with this new job. She had missed her friends more than she had anticipated. And when we look at um, one of the scenes, we'll see she's in this empty house by herself because she doesn't have any of her stuff because the moving truck never shows up. 
So she's just in a spot in her life where she is just experiencing emotions like never before. Now she's about to head into school for the first time. This will be a new school, obviously, for the first day of school. And she's all stressed out about it. So her mother steps in and tries to help out. Did you hear dad? He sounded really upset. (gasps) What was that? Was it a bear? It's a bear! There are no bears in San Francisco. I saw a really airy guy. He looked like a bear. Oh, I'm so jumpy. My nerves are shot! Ew, I don't want to hear about your nerves. I'll tell you what it is. This move has been a bust. That's what I've been telling you guys. There are at least 37 things for Riley to be scared of right now. The smell alone is enough to make her gag. I can't believe Mom and Dad moved us here. Look, I get it. You guys have concerns, but we've been through worse. Tell you what, let's make a list of all the things Riley should be happy about. Fine. Let's see. This house stinks. Our room stinks. Pizza is weird here. Our friends are back home. And all of our stuff is in the missing van. Oh, come on. It could be worse. Yeah, Joy. We could be lying on the dirty floor in a bag. Okay, I admit it. We had a rough start. But think of all the good things No, Joy. There's absolutely no reason for Riley to be happy right now. Let us handle this. I say we skip school tomorrow and lock ourselves in the bedroom. We have no clean clothes. I mean, no one should see us. We could cry until we can't breathe. We should lock the door and scream that curse word we know. It's a good one. Now, hold on. Look, we all have our off days. You know... Hi, honey. The mom bad news train is pulling in. Toot, toot. Still no moving van. (laughs) Now they're saying it won't be here till Tuesday. Can you believe it? Toot, toot, toot. Where's Dad? On the phone. This new venture is keeping him pretty busy. I arrest my case. Oh, your dad's a little stressed. You know about getting his new company up and running. Now, for a few well-placed withering scowls. Uh, I guess all I really want to say is thank you. Huh? You know, through all this confusion, you've stayed... Well, you've stayed our happy girl. Your dad's under a lot of pressure. But if you and I can keep smiling, it would be a big help. We can do that for him, right? Whoa. Well. Yeah, sure. What did we do to deserve you? Sweet dreams. Good night. Well, you can't argue with Mom. Happy it is. Team happy. Sounds great. Totally behind you, Joy. Well, Mom moves in to help, but the question is, is does she really help? She looks at her girl, Riley, and says, what do we do to deserve you? You're our happy girl. Basically what she tells her is, hey, all those emotions that you're feeling, you got to push those aside. You got to keep on smiling. That'll help dad out. You know that disgust that you feel from being in an empty house on the dirty floor in that sleeping bag? It's really not that big of a deal. Just Smile. We need to push forward in this. Or you know that, that, that fear that you feel about your new environments, the new environment here and it's your uncomfortableness? You know, you just need to kind of push that aside right now because we're in a tough spot. You need, to, you need to keep on smiling. You need to keep pushing forward. You know the sadness that you feel from missing your friends back home? You know, can you put that on hold right now? We need to keep on smiling and get through this time together because dad's a little stressed out. Has that ever happened to you? Have someone close to you in the midst of one of the worst times of your life or a a struggle basically look at you and say, suck it up, buttercup. 
You know, they don't quite say it that way. But they say in their subtle way, yeah, it'll be okay. Maybe you need a little bit of retail therapy to get through this. You know, maybe, maybe smile and just, just move on. Tomorrow you'll wake up happier tomorrow. And sometimes we even do it to ourselves. We know deep down inside we, 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 we feel sadness because something's going on or, or, or fear or, or this anxiety about something or disgust over something. And we tell ourselves, I, I, I can't express this. I've got to be happy. Nobody would understand. Nobody will listen to me. So I'm going to push it down. I'm going to ignore it. It's not there. And basically what we try to do is we try to will our joy, will our happiness to bully all of our other emotions to the side. Right? Because when we walk into church, we want to tell everyone's fine. We're in our small group. We want to tell everything's okay. <laughs> and just keep pushing through. Well, this is exactly what happens to Riley in this movie. Right? So after that encouragement from her mom to, to keep on smiling, she's still facing school the next day. So Joy's got to take over. Joy's got to push all the other emotions to the side. And Joy's going to put a plan in place to help Riley survive the first day of school with a smile on her face. First day of school, very, very exciting. I was up late last night figuring out a new plan. Here it is, fear. I need a list of all the possible negative outcomes on the first day at a new school. Way ahead of you there. Does anyone know how to spell meteor? Disgust. Make sure Riley stands out today, but also blends in. When I'm through, Riley will look so good, the other kids will look at their own outfits and barf. Joy. Yes, Joy? You'll be in charge of the console, keeping Riley happy all day long. And may I add, I love your dress, it's adorable. Oh, this whole thing? Thank you so much. I love the way it twirls. <laughs> Train of thought, right on schedule. <laughs> Anger, unload the daydreams. I ordered extra in case things get slow in class. Might come in handy if this new school is full of boring, useless classes, which it probably will be. Oh, sadness. I have a super important job just for you. Really? Mm-hmm. Follow me. What are you doing? And there. Perfect. This is the circle of sadness. Your job is to make sure that all the sadness stays inside of it. So, you want me to just stand here? Hey, it's not my place to tell you how to do your job. Just make sure that all the sadness stays in the circle. See? You're a pro at this. Isn't this fun? No. Do you see what's going on in this clip? We chuckle at it. But Joy sees use of every emotion except sadness. Joy, when Joy puts a plan in place, there's a place for fear, right? Fear is going to protect Riley in case there's danger. She has a, a place for disgust, right? Disgust, when disgust was small, protected her of broccoli. Now it's going to protect her of the taste she has in clothing so she doesn't commit social suicide on her first day of school. And Joy's fine with that because Joy is the one that's in control and puts those emotions where they need to be underneath of Joy's leadership. But she sees no value in sadness. She draws a circle on the ground, creates the circle of sadness, and says, you stay there. 
And this experience that Riley has tomorrow, this first day of school, there's no room for sadness in this. This is too important. Sadness has got to be pushed to the side. You stay there and don't mess everything up, sadness. And you know what? This is exactly what society tells us today. The happiness needs to reign supreme. That regardless of our circumstances, we just need to put a smile on our face and we need to push through whatever it is that we're dealing with and let everyone believe that everything is just copacetic. That if we're angry, we better, we better push that aside because if we let our anger out, somebody may be offended. If we're disgusted, we better not express our opinion about everything because someone may call us a bigot. If we're fearful about something, if something's coming up, we're a little bit afraid of it, somebody may look at us and say, well, you're just not trusting in God enough. And if we're sad, heaven forbid, no one would probably talk to us. But their advice would probably be, you know what, you better get help for that. Maybe you should go see a counselor. Now, I'm talking about sadness here. I'm not talking about depression, right? Depression is a serious issue that needs professional treatment. But I'm talking about sadness and our ability to be able to express it. And see, what I really believe is that our world today has really become intolerant of any emotions outside of happiness. If you turn on the television this afternoon, you'll see the commercials are going to tell you everything about being happy. They're going to tell you to buy this car because you're going to be driving down the coast with your hair in the wind and it's going to make you happy. They're going to tell you about finding your spouse on her website and then you'll be happy. They're going to tell you to take this pill and it's going to make you happy if the other 50 side effects from it, side effects from it doesn't kill you first. See, if you do these things and focus on happiness and in, 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 in sadness and in fear and anger, we can't let those disrupt our happiness. And today, guys, I think this is a huge miss because this is not what Scripture tells us. And that's what I will look at this morning. And I want to start by doing so by looking at Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. Now Solomon, if you know, Solomon had it all. Solomon had wealth. Solomon had fame. Solomon had power. Solomon had God's favor, God's promise. And despite having all of these things, Solomon declares throughout this book that life is vain. That we pursue after all of these things, but all of these things that we pursue after really don't have a lasting reward. And because of that, we have to, we have to find um, um, peace and we have to find contentment in the way that we live today. And in, in, in living our life out, in living it for the moment and what it is, that there's really a time for everything in our life that we live. And in chapter 3, we see a, a series of things. And in verse 4, we see him say that there is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Throughout this whole chapter, we see 
um, Solomon used a poetical device called a mirrorism, right? Which is basically using polar opposites to make a, a point. By saying in the middle of all these things, on one side we have weeping, on another side we have laughter, on another side we have mourning, on the other side we have dancing. That as we live our life for what it is today, there's a time for all of those things. And obviously if there's a time for all of these things that are polar opposites, there's time for everything in between those polar opposites. We also see Paul challenge us in Romans 12, verse 15. He says, rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Notice this, Paul does not say, if you are rejoicing, go make the people that are mourning laugh. If you are rejoicing, go make the people mourning giggle. He says, if you are rejoicing, rejoice. If you are mourning, mourn. We mourn with those who mourn. We come alongside of them. We empathize with them. We try to understand what we're going through. And through that process, we can help them get through that circumstance. See, emotions are a real part of who we are. They're a part of the way that God has made us. So trying to ignore the emotions and pretend they don't exist is unhealthy. Because the reality is in our emotions, none of them by themselves are intrinsically good or bad. It's what we do to them and how do we respond to them is the real matter. And let's look at the way that God and Jesus lives, lives this out. Look at um, Genesis 6.6, right? At Genesis 6.6, God at this point, he created the world, all this sinful behavior, and he decides that he's going to start over by flooding the earth. And in Genesis 6, 6, it says, the Lord was grieved that he made man on earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Exodus 20, verse 5, right? When they're, when they're coming through the desert, they're worshiping idols or doing all these things. And, and he says, you shall not bow down to them, these idols, or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. And in Jeremiah 30, verse 24, the fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes his purposes. In the days that come, you will understand this. And Jesus, too, who took on flesh and walked this earth, fully God and fully man, he felt as well. Look at Mark 3, verse 5. This is right in the middle of the Pharisees harassing Jesus for doing healings on the Sabbath. And Jesus looks at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Mark 10, 21, when Jesus is interacting with the rich young man, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Luke 10, 21, at that time, Jesus, full of joy from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then lastly, when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, in John eleven thirty five, 35, it simply says that Jesus wept. So here's the point. If Jesus 
felt these things, they're not wrong. Jesus felt these things, so it's okay for us too. Now see, in this movie, Joy ultimately comes to this realization that, that, um, that sadness is of use. In a scene we're not going to look at, um, Joy gets pushed away from the control panel in Riley's mind and is kind of wandering around trying to find her way back. While she's lost in, in the midst of Riley's mind, she runs into the imaginary friend Bing Bong. And Bing Bong is distraught. Bing Bong has um, was been forgotten about. Riley's outgrown the imaginary friend. And when Joy runs into Bing Bong, Joy tries to, well, to joy him. She tries to tickle him. She tries to make goofy faces. And none of these things to make um, Bing Bong happy work. And Joy starts to get frustrated. But what happens is, is sadness enters the pictures and sits down next to Bing Bong. And, and understands, right? Sadness was put in a circle. Not allowed to do anything. No use. Sadness could relate to what Big Bong was going through. And in the process of, of sadness empathizing with Bing Bong, Bing Bong started to, to feel a little bit better and was able to move forward. And it's in this moment in the film that Joy realizes for the first time that sadness actually has value. And we see the full realization that has come true at the end of the movie when Riley, so distraught over everything that was going on, all the suppressed emotions down inside of her can't take it anymore, and she decides to run away from home. And then Joy realizes that she can't help Riley, and she calls on sadness to save Riley from this decision. You gotta fix this. Get up there. Sadness. It's up to you. Me? Sadness? Sadness? I can't, Joy. Yes, you can. Riley needs you. to be happy, but I want my 
team. I wanna go home. Please don't be mad. Minnesota too. I miss the woods and we took hikes. And the backyard where you used to play. Spring Lake, where you learned to skate. Come here. See, in the end, it was, it was sadness that was able to pull Riley out of this life-changing decision that she was going to make. And, 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 and finally having the ability to express what she was feeling inside, her parents were able to empathize with her. Her parents were able to share with her that they were feeling the same things, missing similar things. And in that, she was able to find solace and understanding in being able to move forward. And see, the same is true for us, that we have to find ourselves in a, in a, in a healthy place where we're able to express our emotions. Because Jesus, right, when he walked this earth, he was authentic with people when he was here. When he was upset, people knew he was upset. When he was sad, people knew that he was sad. And we too need to be in a healthy place ourselves where we can express those feelings but also have to be around people in our family, in our, in our life groups to allow us the freedom to be able to express what's going on in our lives because guys, these emotions are real. God made us this way. God himself and Jesus himself were this way. So sadness and disgust and anger are real things that we have to acknowledge and that we have to deal with. So we can try to mask them, ignore them all we want, cover them up in happiness. It doesn't make them go away. Let me put it like this. When you get in your car, you turn your car on, there are lights on your dashboard. A check engine light, a seatbelt light, a low fuel light. And those lights, when they come on, they're an indication that something is wrong with the car. Something needs attention. Something needs to be cared for. Right? If the, if the seatbelt's light on, you better put your seatbelt on or it's going to ding all the way to Giant Eagle. Just the way that it works. You've got to pay attention to what it says. If the check engine light comes on, you've got to take it to the mechanic and have the mechanic look at it. And if the low fuel light's on, you better stop and get gas because guess what? If you don't, you're going to run out of gas. Well, see, the same is true about our emotions. See, when anger is welling up inside of us, there's something going on. There's something that we're unsettled with at our core that we've got to deal with. 
if, if I have disgust welling up inside of me and an opinion about something, I need to be able to express it. I need to be able to talk to somebody about it. If I'm dealing with sadness in my life because of a, a lost friendship or, or my job situation or something that's going on inside of me, I need to be able to express that. Because if we try to cover it and hide it in happiness and mask it in happiness, you are going to run out of gas doing that. Your spiritual, emotional tank is going to be empty if you're not real with what is going on inside of you. Happiness does not cover the emotional stuff that we are going through. We have to be able to deal with it. And I want to spend our last bit of time together talking specifically about happiness. Because there's one thing that drove me completely insane in this movie. And it is, it is the character's name is Joy. And everything that she tries to do throughout the movie is happiness. And the reason this drove me crazy is because joy and happiness are not the same thing. See, happiness is, is fleeting. Happiness is a feeling. Happiness comes from the circumstances in our lives. Things happen and we respond in a, in a, in a positive way. I get the new job and I'm happy. But I'm not happy anymore when I don't get the promotion. When I get accepted into college, I'm happy. But I'm not happy when the bill comes. Because what happens? Disgust sets in when the bill comes. Well, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with happiness. Happiness is biblical. Depending on the translation that you use, happiness is used 30, over 30 times in the Bible. Happiness is good. But joy is different. The word joy comes from the Greek root kara, and it means to have exceedingly, to be exceedingly glad. And see, joy is the true contentment that comes from within inside of us. That regardless of the day-to-day -day circumstances in our lives, that I can remain joyful in those circumstances despite everything that's going on around me. And Scripture says the true contentment only comes in the form of Jesus Christ and knowing Him as your Lord and Savior. Turn your Bibles to James. James chapter 1, verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. James starts by saying, Consider it a pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Well, that's great you say that, James, but how do we do that? Look at verses 3 and 4. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, it's important to note that James does not say, be joyous for the trial. James says, be joyous in the trial. See, he says that that joy that comes inside of us is knowing that God is with us in those circumstances. That through faith in Jesus Christ, full with the Holy Spirit, that we can get through anything. That in the midst of the worst times in our life, 
that we know that God is with us, that we know God is, is using us, that we know God is training us for what's next, that we know that God will not forsake us, and that we know in relying on him in the toughest things of life that our, our faith is matured. We become more Christ-like. And see, so through these trials, we get the Deal with our emotions. We may be angry. We may be sad. We may be disappointed. But in those times, we know that God is with us. God understands. Remember, Jesus felt these things. That's how he can be our counselor and our high priest. Because he walked in flesh on this earth, felt the things that we did so he can sit in, at the right hand of God and be our counselor and pray to him because he's been through what we've been through. And so as we, we find ourselves in healthy relationships, earthly relationships, with people in our family being able to express how we feel, people in our groups expressing how we feel, and in dealing with these warning signs that come up inside of us, only then in a place of emotional health and spiritual health and understanding God's word can we be the people that God has created us to be. Guys, it's okay to feel those things, to be authentic with one another. And it's okay for us to allow other people to feel that way, for us to listen, for us to empathize, because everything is not happy in our life. It just isn't. But with that relationship with Jesus, we have a contentment that's inside of us, a joy, a deep abiding joy in each one of us that knows that God is with me. Despite how bad these circumstances may feel right now, my God hears me and my God sees me and my God understands me. And that's how we can push through the toughest things in our life. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you that do have a relationship with Christ. That, that this understanding today, that this truth today, that if you're in the throes of life, you're wrestling with these emotions, I'm going to pray that first that you understand that you have contentment that lives inside of you because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. But I'm also going to pray that God puts people into your life that you can express what's going on, that you can be authentic with what's going on in your life. And people can walk alongside of you during these times. And I'm going to pray that you have those people and the courage to be able to do that. And then lastly, for those that do not have a relationship with Christ, I want to challenge you with something. Guys, life is not about happy. Because I can tell you right now, that the cars and jobs and money and savings account, all of that stuff is going to leave you feeling empty. And the contentment that you seek in your life only comes from one place, and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything else comes back null and void. And as I pray, I'm going to pray that God captures your heart today and help you realize that the contentment you seek can only come through knowing his son, Jesus. Please bow your heads and let's pray. Dear Father, we do thank you for your word. 
We thank you for being a God who sent his son Jesus to walk this earth. Father, so he can relate to us, that he can save us, that he knows what we're going through. He knows the issues that are on our heart, the issues that are in our family, the issues that are in our life. And Father, we can push through those things, leaning into him, leaning into that, that, that contentment that, only, that comes from him, that knowing that you're not going to turn your back on us, that we're never forsaken, and that we rest squarely in the palm of your hand. Father, so I pray for those that know you right now, that you give them a, a sense of joy, a sense of contentment that those words can bring. To regardless of what they're facing, they don't do it alone. You are right by their side, seeing them, hearing them, listening. And fathers, for those that don't know you this morning, I ask that you impress upon their heart that the things that they are chasing after in this world are vain. They're empty. They're promiseless. And they'll always be searching for more and more and more and more. And the only thing that's going to give them that contentment, Father, is a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And that through that, they can repair their broken relationship with you. So, Father, I pray today is a day that you help them realize that the things of this world are empty and a relationship with your son is full, full of life, eternal life. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who makes this all possible. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.